Good morning, church. Good to see you. Would you go ahead and stand up? We want our lives to reflect that we have the Word of God in our hearts. Is that true about each of y'all? I saw Satan for thy lightning. I saw darkness was for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. Yes, I do. I have a resurrection power. Just can't get over my name. He's registered in heaven. Yeah, my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony. I'm dead alive. This grace will run my story. I'm dead alive. My Jesus Christ arises. I'm justified. This is my testimony. Testimony. Come together, sons and daughters, born with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started.
time and time again You have proven that you do just what you say Though the storms may come and the wind may blow I remain fast And let my heart burn when you speak up It will come to that you'll be here as we gathered in your name. Your words we write on your, our hearts so that we can be something different out in this world. We want to give you everything because your promises are true. We thank you for Jesus Christ and it is his name we pray. Amen. Why don't you guys have a seat? Hey, you made it. 
I am so happy that you guys are here. I don't know how it goes for you guys. My name's Jordan, by the way, but pretty much every Sunday, we got three little kids at our house, and just, just getting them up, awake, fed, clothed, and here can be a minor miracle most weeks. I don't know how it goes at your house. Even before we had kids, frankly, that was the way it is. But you guys, we, we, we make that happen every week because we've never gotten here and not been blessed. That's God's honest truth. And I, that's why it's a priority for us. And it's a priority for you, I know, because you're here. And I'm just thrilled to see each one of you guys here today. Uh, and because you are here, there's a couple of things I want to kind of bring you guys along on here at the church, if I can do that, okay? First of all, you probably noticed, if you've been here for any length of time, the name badges, right? That's a little bit different. You don't typically see that at at most churches. We do things, a lot of things different than most churches, and we we make no apologies for that. But I want to make you guys aware of why we do this, okay? There's been a mountain of research and data that shows that if you know somebody's name, if you can call them by first name and they can call you by first name, you have an in with them. You have an ability to influence them in a way you, you wouldn't otherwise. I mean, this is just a good, a good tip for life. If you uh, want to win friends and influence people and move up in your workspace, you should get to know your coworkers' names, your bosses' names. Call people by their name. And what we're trying to do here is we're trying to pull down any barrier possible that exists to prevent somebody from having a relationship with Jesus, right? And that starts with them walking in the door and feeling like they belong here. And so, and, and also we want to eliminate any awkwardness. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It's happened to me before. You meet somebody here one week, you have a great conversation, you feel like you know them, you remember their name, and then next week they show up, you shake their hand, you look them in the eye and say, hey, good to see you, buddy. You know, there's nothing worse than that. And that's what we're trying to eliminate. So I'm, I, we're gonna, we're, this is not something we're going to give up on. We want everybody, if you're, if you're new here, you can go out to uh, one of the kiosks out front, put in your information. It'll spit out your name tag. If you've been here before and you've done that, that's all you got to do. It takes 30 seconds. We're going to continue pushing this because we're trying to create an atmosphere here where everybody is welcome and where we can connect people with us. They can feel at home here so we can push them closer to Jesus, right? So I want to challenge you. If you've, if you've not done it this week, go out after the service, print out your name tag. We want to do this every week. If you see somebody without a name tag on, shame that person. Let them know they're a bad human. I mean, I'm, just, I'm totally kidding. But I, we do, I do, we, we're, like, we're not going to give up on this. We, the name tags are there for that reason. And so I want to make sure we keep doing that, all right? Second of all, if you're a guy here at Capital City, we have an event coming up for you on Saturday the 28th, our next men's breakfast. Uh, it does start at 7.30, which seems like a little bit early. But let me tell you, the last one, they had bacon, sausage, eggs. You're going to do it upright again, Tommy? Like, it is worth coming for the food alone. But you're going to get fed more than that. You're going to get fed spiritually. We're going to have a brief speak, speaker, uh, a message. Actually, I think this week it's going to be Ben Webb, our associate minister and uh, head minister in waiting. He's got a message for you. It's just a great time to get fed, uh, physically get fed spiritually and to fellowship uh, with the other guys of the church. So please make sure to make that a priority if you can be Saturday. We would really love to see you. Uh, also, if you are here for any portion of 2022, you probably remember our nudge campaign. If you'll recall, every month we had a different uh, challenge that we issued. We wanted uh, us to go out in our community, and we wanted to nudge every month a 1,000 people closer to Jesus in some way. And you guys did a fantastic job with that. Like uh, The stories that have come out of that, the the lives that have been touched have been amazing. So we're going to keep it going here in 2023. Uh, So the first month here in January, the first nudge is we're bringing back our Yes, It's Free cards. You probably saw them on some of the tables out in the lobby. If not, you'll see them when you go out. The way you do, really simple, you grab one of those cards. It has a little information about Capital City Christian Church on it. If you're one who likes to go out and pay for somebody's coffee behind you or a meal in a drive-thru or a meal at a restaurant or buy their groceries, whatever you want to do, it can be big or small, a couple bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever you want to do, 
do that random act of kindness, leave the card so that they will know. Um, it's not about you or I getting credit, but it is about uh, showing them that there's this church body in the community that loves them, that cares for them, even if we don't know them, and ultimately uh, want to let them know that Jesus cares about them. And if they want to learn more about that, they can come back here and we'll try to push them there, okay? So I want uh, that to be a priority as well. Finally, you may not know it or not, um, but today is what's known as Sanctity of Life Sunday. This is a day that was set aside almost 40 years ago by the President of the United States for us as a nation to acknowledge uh, that all human life has value at all stages. Uh, it actually also happens to be uh, the 50th anniversary of the original Roe v. Wade decision. Now, obviously, that uh, remains a political hot-button issue in our culture, uh, dividing people in a lot of different ways. But we want to take this day, Sanctity of Life Sunday, and make sure that everybody knows that as a church, we are committed to the value of human life from womb to tomb, for mother and child at all stages, right? Well, we're not going to apologize about that. We're going to continue pressing that message. We want people to know uh, that we are involved, we are commanded to care for life at all stages. If you want a little informa information about one of the organizations we support in our community, the Avenues for Women, you'll find a card on your uh, seat. You can read that. If you want to get connected uh, and support them, we, we ask at a minimum that you would pray about uh, for that organization and the people involved in that issue in our country. Uh, if you want to get involved at a deeper level financially or in, in a service of some sort, you can do that as well. You'll find some more information there. Uh, all right, so I wanted to do also a little bit of show and tell with you guys today, if I may. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, I brought one of my, honestly, one of my very favorite material objects in the world. I don't know if you can see this. These are, getting some laughs already up here, don't make fun of me. These are noise-canceling Bluetooth earmuffs. If you don't have a, a pair of these, you need, to, you need to get you a pair, okay? If you know me at all, you know I love to cut, cut my grass, and I love to work on construction projects, stuff around the house, anything like that. And I bought these as soon as they became available, the technology, five or six years ago, uh, because I can, whatever I'm getting ready to do, cut the grass, work on a project, whatever, I can buy, I can pop these in. They connect Bluetooth wireless to my phone. I'm a big podcast listener, uh, iHeartRadio. I'll even play YouTube and just listen to it on my phone. And, and this enables me to do that while I'm in my own little world, do my project or whatever. Actually, we have a uh, picture of me in my happy place. There I am, okay? That's me mowing the grass. I try to do it every Sunday afternoon, the spring and summer. That's my ritual. I go out there. It takes me about two, two hours to mow my grass. It's just, it's wonderful. I look, you know, I look goofy, so I'm waving at the neighbors as they go by. Meg's embarrassed, and that's honestly just a side benefit of the whole thing. It's not the whole reason that I bought them. But it's, it's they have been, an, like, I, I love these things. They have been a great source of joy for me. They've also been a big source of frustration because I started buying them five or six years ago when the technology first came out. But I've noticed that it seems like every six to 12 months, they become defective. And I've just thought this was planned obsolescence. They automate, when I buy them out of the box, they automatically connect to my phone. There's no issue, works great. But within a few months, I walk out there to get ready to cut the grass, whatever, try to connect to my phone, it won't work. Bluetooth will work, I'll press every button on these things, I'll try everything there is, and they simply are defective. And so I'll go a couple weeks without using them and I'll get frustrated and finally I'll just pitch them, go buy another pair. And this is really problematic because they're like $70 or $80 a piece. So I've done this five or six times over the course of the last several years. Finally, this year, I said, you know what? I've had it. I mean, I'm out there in the lawn, uh, in the driveway, like shaking my fist to the sky. Like, what is the deal? So I said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy a new pair for the last time. If they go defective, I'm keeping everything. I'm keeping the box. I'm keeping the receipt. I'm keeping all my paperwork. I'm going to take them back to Lowe's. I'm either going to get a new pair or get my money back. I mean, I have had it. So inevitably, as I anticipated, 
uh, I think it was October of this year. I go out there to cut the grass, not working. I said, okay, I'm going to Lowe's. But I knew before I go to Lowe's, I got to do my due diligence, right? They're going to say, do you have your paperwork? Have you tried everything to fix them? So I kept my paperwork, got into my tool bag where I'd put all that stuff, and I realized that they apparently came with this little bad boy right here. This is sort of the instructions, an owner's manual of sorts. Yeah, had never, had never really gotten into this before. And so before heading over to Lowe's, I opened up to what is essentially page two, and they have a very concise explanation if the Bluetooth function stops working, you do this step and should be restored to functionality. So anywho, 30 seconds later, work like a dream. I am back in business. And I realized in that moment, after years of frustration, hundreds of dollars of expense, and I can't tell you how much, I mean, just angst, I could have avoided all of this trouble if I had bothered in the beginning to read the instruction manual. And as embarrassing as it is for me to share that with you guys this morning, I'm, I'm even more embarrassed to share that there have been times in my life when I've gone through difficulties, frustrations, stuff like that, and I have metaphorically shook my fist at the sky saying, you didn't prepare me for this. You didn't warn me about this. You didn't let me know to expect this. And inevitably, shortly thereafter, I'll be back in God's word or I'll be here at the church and somebody will cite some scripture and I'll realize, no, he did. He provided a resource for every single one of us, made it as easy as it possibly could. It's in our own language that, you know, all we have to do is get into this. He, is, he has seen every trouble that we're going to face. He's warned us about anything that's going to go on in our life. He's told us how to handle it. Now, that, reading the Bible is not going to take all your, all your troubles away, trust me. But what it will do is it will warn you and prepare you for what you're going to face, and it will help you get the most out of your life. So that's what we're going to talk about in depth here in a little while. But hopefully uh, you can take my lesson with my headphones and the instruction book, and you can learn that on a, on a grander scale here in life. In the meantime, guys, before we go any further, we're going to transition into what we call the Lord's Supper. And this is the time of our service where if you have a relationship with Jesus, he has uh, made a way for you to connect with him on an extremely deep level. Of course, you... Uh, we're going to invite you to the stations. You'll see the bread and the juice there that represents his body and his blood that was sacrificed for you. When you're there, you'll also see this black box that says offering on it. If, you're not, if you don't call Capital City your church home, please feel under no obligation to participate in this. But if you do, that's where we leave our tithes and offerings. We give our first part back to God, right? You'll also see a white bucket there. That's our generous bucket. If, you, uh, if God has blessed you and you want to bless somebody else out of an abundance that he has blessed you with, that's where you can drop a few bucks in there. We've got a team here at the church who seek out uh, needs in our community, and we take those resources and we apply them there. But uh, in, in any event, I encourage you to take the next few minutes, connect with Jesus. He wants to connect with you. Go ahead and go to the tables right now.
We're here because of what you have done in the work of Jesus Christ and what you've told us through him and through your word. We'll rely on it in difficult times and we'll believe that you are the same God. Miracles still happen in our lives. We give ourselves to you. We expect you to move. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Why don't you guys have a seat? It's meant to be opened, explored, pursued. It's made to be read, reread, applied, and used. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, with wisdom, life-changing, to lead us on. It's made for guidance to teach us His ways, showing what's true, right, and worthy of praise. It's meant to be hidden deep in our hearts, daily examined as the morning starts. No greater glimpse of God do we have, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Morning, guys. Glad you're here. We use the phrase Jesus followers a lot here at Cap City. And we do that on purpose. Are you a Jesus follower? Because we're not just believers here at Cap City. We don't just believe in Jesus. We follow him. Which means that we're committed to do life with God, which means with Jesus. For God, which means for Jesus. God's way, we mean life in Jesus. Jesus followers. Because guys, we believe that Jesus actually was God. Jesus was God stepping into our world, enabling us and inviting us to do life with him. But how can you follow Jesus if you cover your eyes and stop your ears when he's talking to you? How can you actually follow Jesus if you never actually study the map, read the guidebook, the instruction book that he left for us? I mean, a lot of us are kind of like, we're going to follow you, Jesus, just don't tell us how, which is kind of stupid, right? Now, this next part is pretty mind-blowing. You see, guys, we actually believe in an actual big G God, an eternal, transcendent, all-powerful, all-knowing, completely holy God, creator God. That just makes sense. Compared to whom we are really, really, really small, Right? And yet we really believe that that big G God loves little puny old us. Go figure. And that big G God wants us to do life with him. Go figure. And he proved it by sending his son, Jesus, into our, into our world to enable us and to invite us to follow him. Which is cool. The whole idea that God cares about you, that he cares about me, blows my mind, but it's beyond dispute proved it on a cross. But listen, guys, God doesn't just want you to believe in Jesus. He wants you to follow him. It's easy to believe. It takes guts to follow. Do you actually know where he's leading you? How do you know? So to help us get it right, he inspired this book, this guidebook, this instruction manual, 
Jordan gave a pretty good intro this morning. Have you ever tried putting something together without reading the instructions? If you're a guy, you probably have, right? And if it's simple, sometimes we get it right. If it's complex, good luck. Well, into what category would you put your life? Simple or complex? Have you ever messed up putting your life together? A whole lot of Jesus followers try to do it without ever reading the instructions. And even when we do consult the book, the guidebook, the instruction manual, a lot of us are kind of like, really? That's what God wants? I must not have read that right. Did God really say that? Did he really mean that? Or maybe we're kind of like, that may work for you, but it's simply not going to work for me. It's my call, right? It's my life. And with stupid thoughts like these, we blow God off. I mean, God left us guidance over so many of the things that we fight over. Abortion, gender, sex, race. And we're kind of like, what did he say? Sure you're reading that right? Maybe that worked 2,000 years ago, but that's not going to work today for me. Besides, it's my life. Who made God? God. And it's not just issues that people fight about out there. I mean, when you open this book, this guidebook, this instruction book, you're going to read stuff like this. You're going to read, turn the other cheek, love your enemies, stuff like don't lust, and we're kind of like, you think he means it, literally? We start looking for loopholes. Or we come across stuff like don't gossip. Seriously? I mean, that's a way of life, right? Don't lie, don't envy, don't judge. Well, there's got to be exceptions. Stuff like be content. That's not American. Be merciful, be patient, be thankful. Well, maybe, as long as I get to figure out with whom and when and how, maybe. And guys, this battle with God's Word has been going on for a long, long time. In fact, it's been going on since the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2. Now, Genesis 1 is all about creation. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. Got it all started. That makes sense. And then in Genesis 2, God creates this amazing garden called Eden. He puts Adam and Eve in that place. It's an incredible place filled with absolutely everything they need physically. And God says you can freely eat, freely eat of the fruit of every single tree in the garden except one tree. Eat it all except one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat that fruit, you're going to die. Now, if you hear this, do you see God as amazingly generous or as stingy? Which do you think? Which of the trees would you fixate on? The thousands that they were free to eat from? or the only tree in the garden with a stop sign. And they're kind of like, you think God's holding out on us? You think God is holding us back? Why is God so mean? So Genesis 3, <clears throat> it all gets started. It starts like this. Here it is. Did God really say? Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals and that's what he asks the woman. Are you serious? Was God serious that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees? Now, he twists God's words, right? Which is the way we usually act when we try to blow the words of God off. 
We twist them a little. Yeah, sounds like God's kind of mean. Sounds like God may not be wanting what is best for you. Maybe God's just wrong. What do you think? Well, Eve responds. She kind of corrects the serpent, kind of. Genesis 3.2, she says, of course we can eat the fruit from the trees of the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden that we're not supposed to eat from. God said you must not eat it or even touch it because if you just touch it, you're going to die. Of course we can eat from the fruit of the garden except for that one tree that looks so good. And God says we can't even touch that tree. And she twists, and she embellishes, she injects a note of meanness into the words of God, just like we do when we don't want to do what he says. God really say that, really? God actually mean that, and if he did, you actually think God is good? You're not going to die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that as soon as you eat it, your eyes are going to be opened, and you'll be like God which is exactly what we want sometimes, right? To be our own gods. And I'm telling you guys, this deceiver has been using that same lie to us ever since. Did God really say that? Are you sure you heard it right? Did God actually mean that? Are you sure he's right? And if he said that, could he actually be good? Would a good God say something like that? It's not going to kill you. And when we start down that path, that path of mistrust, that path of rebellion, the result is always, always chaos. You know why? Because he's God. And he's way smarter than we are. And his ways are always best for every single one of us every single time. Do you actually buy that? Well, this morning we're going to talk about how a Jesus follower listens to the Word of God, specifically. What does a Jesus follower do with this, this guidebook, this instruction book that we think was inspired by God? Because too often we drift towards, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Or does it even matter what some old God thinks? We're in uh, part three of a series that we're calling Skill Set. These are things that Jesus followers do because we're Jesus followers. Two weeks ago, we talked about worship. We worship the first day of every week if we can. We don't just gather here at church to watch worship. We come here to worship God. Last week, Ben was up here. He talked about prayer. We Jesus followers pray. Big G God wants us to pray, so we do. We talk to God and we listen. This week's a little bit more about that listening. Today we're going to talk about being people of the Word, because guys, this is the primary way that God communicates with us. If you're a Jesus follower, you're serious about learning what God has to say, about what it means to do life with God, for God, God's way. And that means you've got to know what's in this book. So here goes. Now before I talk about how to use this right... I'm going to reflect on some of the ways that we do it wrong. Four ways that we dishonor God by dishonoring God's Word. Here's way one. This one's pretty obvious. Some people just blow it off, right? God's Word, 
poppycock. Guide to How to Live Today, poppycock. Just an old book, right? Nothing special. And a growing number of people in our culture see this book as simply a book of fiction. Fairy tales, myths, pious drivel. I found this in one chat room on the internet one time. This person wrote, Dear Sir, how can you base your arguments on religious myth? The Bible isn't factual history of how God feels, what she thinks or should be done, etc. It was written by men for men about men. There are some people like this guy who think this is simply a book of myths, fairy tales, pious drivel. Gallup did a poll last July. 20% of the people who were polled believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. 29%, almost 50% more, see it as a collection of fables and legends, as well as some history, some morality stuff recorded by man. Everyone else is somewhere in between. Where do you fall? What do you think this is? Now, fortunately, most people don't diss the Bible that openly, but we do it other ways, other ways that we're kind of like, did God really say? Other ways that are just as disrespectful. Here's way two. Some folks use the Bible when it agrees with them, and they set it aside when, they, when it doesn't, right? They do what's called proof texting. Just yank out a few verses that make your case, if you like what it says, and then it's the inspired Word of God. Yet if you don't like what it says, that part's just the Word of men, right? You ever been like that? I'll follow Jesus as long as I agree with him. Guys, that's not following Jesus. I read one guy who said, there are some parts of the Bible that are really inspired. There are some parts that aren't. You don't have to accept the Bible verse by verse as equally inspired and perfect. You've got to use your brain with the Bible. Interpret it in a respectful way. In other words, if I agree with it, it's the Word of God. If I don't agree with it, it's the words of some misguided guy, right? In fact, there are quite a few Christians who think that the rules in the Bible have to change as times change. As we become more enlightened, the more barbaric parts of the Bible are going to have to be set aside. And they're going to tell you things like this. We serve a living God, right? So maybe this is a living document. So maybe we need to respect the Bible on the one hand, but you've got to respect culture on the other hand, and we've got to look for that middle road. But guys, a Jesus follower follows Jesus, even when culture doesn't. And we do that because people are messed up, and culture's messed up, and we're messed up. So we follow the one who isn't messed up, Right? So we dishonor this Bible in so many ways. Way one, we toss it aside as a book of antiquated myths, fiction, fairy tales. Way two, which is just as dangerous, we accept it as the Word of God when we agree with it. We toss it aside when we don't. Did God really say that? Is God really smart? Is God really good? Here's way three. Some guys say they honor this book, sometimes, maybe, but we don't take the time or the effort to try to figure out what's in it. We say it's a great book, and we never read it. Any of you guys fit there? You say you honor this book, but you're pretty much clueless about what's inside. 
Did you know that the Bible is unrivaled as the best-selling book in history? No serious competitors. Do you know that? And I, I read this one time. I don't know if it still holds. The average American family has three Bibles in their home. I think I've got over 50 hard copies. I counted one time. Did you know if you got your phone, phone in your pocket, like I downloaded version on my phone, and I'm carrying around in my pocket all of the time almost 3,000 versions of the Bible in over 2,000 languages. In fact, I can pull up my phone and I can read 70 English Bibles at any one time, right? Guys, it's not a question of access. You've got exactly the same ac access. Most Americans still say that this is the most important book ever written. In fact, probably most people still say that it holds the answers to the biggest questions in life. If you're a Jesus follower, most of us still revere it, even though we don't know it. But can you honor the Bible as the Word of God if you don't read it? This is the best-selling, least understood book ever written. If you don't know it, if you don't read it, for all intents and purposes, for you it's simply a book of myths and fairy tales. And practically speaking, you're living no differently than the atheists, right? Now, there's one more way that we dishonor the Bible, and we're all pretty good at this one. We go back where we've been. Some people are just honest enough to admit that they simply don't care what this book says at all. It's just a book of myths and fairy tales, outdated. Others say that we honor it, but only when we agree with it. Others of us say that we honor it, but we don't know what's in it. Here's another way that we dishonor the Bible and our God. And this may be the most dangerous of all. Way four. We say we honor the Bible. We've got a pretty good idea what's in it. And we simply don't do it anyway. In other words, we're kind of hypocrites. Saying one thing with our mouths. Living another way with our lives. Maybe not hypocrites. Maybe we're just rebellious twits sometimes. Right? And the Bible is pretty hard on us when we pretend to honor the Word, when we hear it, but refuse to obey it. James, now James was Jesus' brother, kind of, half-brother. James says, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener of God when you're anything but. When you let the Word go in one ear and out the other, you've got to act on what you hear, guys. Anyone who sets himself as religious or a Jesus follower is what I'd say, by talking a good game, only is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because bottom line, if you know what the Bible says and say that you honor it but refuse to follow it, for all practical purposes, it's simply a book of myths and fairy tales. If we say we know what the Bible says and we say we honor it and don't live by it for all practical purposes, we may be the most dangerous people of all, right? Guys, this skill set series that we're in is about the basics. What do we do as Jesus followers because we're Jesus followers? We started with worship. We worship. Last week's about prayer. We pray. This week's about the Bible, the Word of God, what we do as Jesus followers with the Word of God, this guidebook, this user's manual that God prepared for us. 
Now, guys, I'm not going to try to defend the Bible this morning against those who believe it's simply a book of myths and fairy tales. I could amass plenty of evidence for its trustworthiness. I'm guessing that for most of you, that won't be necessary. If it is necessary, come and we'll talk, right? And I'm not going to talk this morning about how this Bible was inspired by God. A lot of confusion on that one, and I may take that up on Wednesday. We always follow up on Wednesday with a little deeper study into what we're doing on Sunday mornings. This morning, I simply want to focus on why it's so important to us and how we make it part of our life with God. Now, think about it, guys. There are big questions that almost every single human being asks, at least from time to time. Questions like these. How did we get here? Why are we here? Is there a purpose for all this? Is there a purpose for me? Does it matter what I believe? Does it really matter how I live? In a little while, am I simply going to be a speck of cosmic dust? Bottom line, is there really a God? Big questions. For that matter, there are questions a lot of us struggle with every day. What's most important in my life? What's right and what's wrong? And the truth is, guys, if there is no big G God, you can go ahead and make up whatever answers you want and live however you want. If there is no God, if this is not the Word of God, go ahead and live for what you want, however you want. It won't matter. But if there is a God, guys, if there's a big G God who designed it all, if there's a big G God who designed you and created you, only He knows the answers to your biggest questions. If there is a God, I don't get to invent my own truth, and I don't get to invent my own rules. And we Jesus followers believe there really is a God. We believe there's a purpose for all this. There's a purpose for you. We believe it matters what we believe, and it matters how we live. We believe that death isn't going to have the last word. We believe that there's way more to this world than what we can see right now and understand right now. So we believe we can't invent our own truth, and we can't make up our own rules. If you want to know the truth, if you want to know the best way to live, you've got to listen to the designer the creator, the one who designed you. You've got to listen to God. And the primary way that God speaks to every single one of us about all of this stuff is right here in this book, which we believe was inspired by God. So if you want to know what it's really all about, you've got to know this book. If you want to know what God is like, you've got to know this book. If you want to know how the best way is to live, you need to study the pages of this book. You want to know who you really are, what you're here for. It's here, guys. Probably the most important verses that teach us about this book are in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. And I'm going to read it for you in a couple of different translations because I think sometimes that just kind of makes it come alive. This is the Apostle Paul, and here's what he says. He says, all Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. And it's useful for teaching, it's useful for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the NIV. Here's a Phillips translation, same verses. All Scripture is inspired by God, God breathed. It's useful for teaching the faith, what we're about, correcting error, which we all do, 
resetting the direction of a man's life, which a lot of us need, and training us how to live well, right? The scriptures are the comprehensive equipment of a man of God and fit him fully for all the branches of his work. That's Phillips. Here's the New Living Translation. You ready? All scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what's true. It's useful to help us realize what's wrong in our lives. We've got to know that. Straightens us out, teaches us to do what's right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing that God wants you and me to do, right? And here's the last one. This one's from the message. <clears throat> every part of Scripture is God-breathed. Every part of Scripture is useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped for the tasks that God has for us. That's true, guys. It's not just a good thing to know this book. It's an essential for a Jesus follower. This is what it's all about from God's perspective, and He's the one who designed it all. We don't get to create our own truth. We don't get to make our own rules. Right and wrong will be determined by the God who created us and who reveals Himself to us through Jesus, and that's recorded here. This prepares us for doing life with God, for God, God's way together. And so I repeat the question, are you a Jesus follower? Not just a believer, but a follower. Let me wrap this thing up by getting really, really practical. This is kind of where the rubber hits the road, right? Because if what I have said is true, what are you going to do about it? Peace one. Just read it, please. And not just here in this room when we put some verses on screen, but read it on your own. Try to start reading it or listening to it if you prefer. I'm going to show you an app that I referred to earlier, and I'd encourage you to download it on your phone or your tablet. It's called the, the U version. Okay? The U version. It's free. It's incredible. It's a gift to us from a church out in Oklahoma. It's an amazing thing. You can read pretty much any version of the Bible you want to read from. You can let it read to you. It'll do that as well. You can sign up for the verse of the day, and every single day they'll send you a verse to ponder, to read, to ponder, to pray about. It's cool. Got all kinds of Bible reading plans in it. If you want to use one of those, you can look something up that's in the Bible there. It is absolutely amazing, and it is a free app. I'd encourage you to use it. In fact, I've got an assignment for you. If you don't have it, I'd really encourage you to download it today, tomorrow, put it on your phone, and sign up for the verse of the day. And for a while, just try every day, because if you sign up for the verse of the day, they're going to send it to you every single day. You'll tell them how you want it. You'll read that verse, you'll pray about it, and it'll make a difference in your life. Guarantee it, right? Here's piece three. <clears throat> try to read the Bible every day. Man, as Jesus followers, we pray every day. We're, as Jesus followers, we try to be in the Word every day, if we can. Even just a verse, if you want. Or maybe you just read a few verses until something captures your attention, challenges you. Because it's not so much about how much you read, it's about letting God whisper to you through His Word. Piece number four. I'd encourage you to use a really, really good, solid, readable translation. I grew up on the old King James Bible. We don't talk that way anymore. 
And I really don't encourage people to use that Bible. It is not the best one that we've got any longer. It was. I'd suggest the New International Version. It's a good one. Good News Bible, it's a good one. Or probably my favorite for just reading is the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. It's solid and it's really easy to read. That's important to me. Piece five. I'd encourage you when you read to focus on the New Testament. I want you to read all different parts of it, but I want you to focus on the New Testament because that's our covenant with God, right? We read the Old Testament too. It's part of God's Word. It's useful. But that's the Old Covenant with God. Our focus should be on the New Testament. Piece number six. If you are new to reading the Bible, my suggestion is that you start with the Gospel of John. Read a few verses till you get stuck and just ponder, pray about it, right? It's an absolutely rich but very easy to read book. And after reading the Gospel of John, I'd suggest maybe you go to Matthew. Focus on the Jesus stuff first before you get into the other parts. Piece seven, and this is huge. When you read the Bible, remember you're a Jesus follower. You're a Jesus follower. We acknowledge that he is God and we're not. We are people who call Jesus Lord, and we mean it. Which means that we do it his way when we agree with God, and we do it his way when we don't. We do it God's way when we understand him, and we do it God's way even when we don't, because we're Jesus followers, and we trust him. As we read earlier from James, just don't listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourselves. So guys, just do it. And you're going to discover that our big G God is really, really smart and really, really good. And here's what else you're going to discover. The closer you get to God, the more he's going to dazzle you. The more you understand God, the more he's going to blow your mind. Let him do that. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful that you left us this word. It's all about Jesus and what he's done for us. Reveals your wisdom, reveals your truth, the guidance. It's a book that is loving. Give us the wisdom and the courage to be Jesus' followers. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storm may wave for spring. In every season, from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All Promises in fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. Help me remember when I'm weak. 
Awesome is going to happen here to my right, your left. Go ahead and look at this. Good morning. My name is Alan Mefford. This is my grandson, Luke. Luke came to us last Saturday night and said he was ready to be baptized. And what greater thing can a parent hear than to see their children or their grandchildren tell you that? And then he wanted me to do it. So that was even icing on the cake. Okay, Luke, I'm going to ask you to repeat the good confession. I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. And I accept him. And I accept him. As my personal Lord and Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. Luke, on your confession, I'm going to now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit.
Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the word that you've sent to this earth so that we can know what it is that you want us to do in life, to have this ultimate example, someone who cherished your word. God, I ask that um, as I think about what it is that you have written down for each of us, that it really can be a light to each of us. Be a lamp on this path that we're all walking. God, I want to thank you so much for being able to see the example of someone who says, it's time for me to start on this path. I need your words to be in my heart. God, we're inspired by what it is that you have done. We want that to be on each of our hearts, on our minds as we go out into this world. Please give us what we need. Let your spirit just reign supreme in each of us. You are king. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. We want you to know how glad we are that you've chosen to be here today. We hope to see you again as you come back next week.